You ever been to a funeral when uh, the one who died is lost without Christ? What do they say? What, what can be said when we go to a funeral and the person is lost without Christ? What can we say? And we've all been to memorials. I remember going to uh, Roger's mom's memorial. And it's just like yesterday, wasn't it, Roger? You know, I've, here's a meeting in a church building where there's 12. How many people were there? Worship at that place, Roger. Do you remember? I don't remember. There wasn't a handful. Probably 20. The community's basically, basically dead. And so the church is, but nevertheless, there was still a hundred people there because his mom lived a long life, which was a blessing. And there's beautiful things that, that were said at, at her memorial because of her walk with a Savior. And that's good news, isn't it? You know, and I love December because we get to talk about the Lord. But during that time, we always have some distractions, don't we? That's point number one on your piece of paper, that we have distractions. And you can name those distractions, can we? And every one of you, probably most people out here, except some of the children, have something in your pocket or in your possession that is a distraction. Have you ever noticed people... Uh, ladies will walk with a purse in one hand, and what will they have in the other hand? Cell phone, cell phone you bet. So us, uh, us old men, we'll have our cell phone hid, and sometimes they'll have it on our hip like we're carrying a gun. Yeah. But we're ready to walk. If that thing buzzes, yeah, we're ready to draw it, aren't we? <laughs> we're ready to draw it, because we don't want to miss a call, heaven forbid. You know, if we miss a call, 2 o'clock in the morning, man, i got to get that phone. Why? And how many distractions that we have? There's a lot of distractions. But thankful that you're here today and thankful for this season. But not necessarily this season, but the world thinks about the Christ. Amen. So that gives us an opportunity to talk, about, talk with others about the Christ. Yesterday, I was involved with a, with a funeral of a buddy of mine that was a faithful servant of God. And I went to Czechoslovakia. And while in Czechoslovakia, my buddy and his other buddy, they came, showed up, because they, the number one ability, the number one gift that these two guys have is encouragement. Anybody can be a critic, amen? I know how to do that. You don't have to go to school. We all know how to be a critic, don't we? But it takes someone special to be an encourager. And everything that was said yesterday about my buddy was all about encouragement. Encouragement. Went to Czechoslovakia, and he said, Hey, Rabbit, what do you need? I went to St. Louis, Missouri, and he said, Hey, Rabbit, Rabbit, what do you need? And he brought a hundred staff and had a camp all week long right in the middle of the hood in St. Louis. And every time he'd say, Hey, Rabbit, what do you need? Since living here in Tulsa, he'd call me and said, Hey, Rabbit, what do you need? And what did he mean by that? Whatever I needed, he's going to take care of it. He'll see that it's done because anybody can be a critic, but he didn't know how to be a critic. But he did know how to be a critic, but he chose because he's in Christ Jesus. And since we're in Christ Jesus, we have a different attitude, don't we? 
a different attitude, and that's a joy. All right, let's talk to God, and we'll get into our lesson. Father, thank you for changing our attitudes. And God, as we deal with that on a daily basis, help us to remember the resurrected Lord and help us to remember the sacrifice that Roger reminded us of. And as he reminded us of our giving, of opportunities to give more, to give more because of how much you've given to us. And God, help us to not be distracted with saying, well, I need to buy so-and-so, so I'm going to be careful how much I give to the Lord today. God, help us to not be distracted with things, but help us to be distracted with the cross. And look at the cross instead of looking at our selfishness every day. Thank you for this family. And God, thank you for loving us enough to pay a price of redemption of the cost of your son so that we get to be saved. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at that first verse on your paper. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual worship, spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. That's in the NIV. Now let's look at the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Now what happens, let's pause right. What happens is we like to do it without who helping us. And when then I get in trouble, what happens? Now I'm flat on my back and there's only one way to look. Maybe I need to stay flat on my back. I was listening to a fellow the other day and said, Hey, Ron, this lady has been in a nursing home 20 years. And she hadn't known anybody in 20 years. She didn't know anybody when they put her in a nursing home. 20 years. But I don't remember anything about the nursing home and her 20 years in the nursing home. What I remember about her is her walk with the Lord. That's what's mentioned at a funeral, isn't it? You know, the tragedy of life, but yet we remember how we preached our sermon while we lived. Amen. Who's going to preach your sermon? Who's going to say something? They're going to dig up something about you that is positive and that is powerful. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, and God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Man, that's good news, isn't it? How God develops that best in us. 
<coughs> Mountain Man and Billy and Roger used to play sports. R.C., was you a football player? A little bit? Man, I'd like to hit you. But I didn't like to hit those guys that weighed 300 pounds. But you know what these guys had to, had to recognize in the athletic, in the sports field? We had to think as Mountain Man's carrying that football and that defensive man is coming after him, he said, I've got to immediately think that fast, faster than I can click my fingers of how to get around that guy, get through that line, and get to the goal. I've got a goal down there. Roger's bouncing that basketball, and, he, and the defensive person is trying to stop him and trying to steal the ball. His goal is to shoot that ball and score. And so in his mind, he doesn't want that defensive man to stop him. Big Bad is wrestling. His opponent is, wants to take him down, and Big Bad is thinking how. Buddy, you're not going to take me down. And I'm going to outsmart you, I'm going to outwork you, I'm going to be stronger than you, I'm going to be faster than you, and I'm going to be in shape. But if I'm out of shape, who's going to win? So what do we do in the Christian life? Do I allow Satan to take me down when I haven't prepared, when God is my helper? Number one in our outline, three D's, D is in dog, of Satan. And he's doing everything to dog us. Number one, distraction. You remember the story of Samson and Delilah? And what Delilah trying to do all along, R.C.? What's Delilah's goal? And find out how come his hair has what? And so she keeps coming after Samson, doesn't she? Does she ever quit? When does she quit? When she finally... When does Satan quit on you? When does he quit on us? Is he ever going to quit on a marriage? Is he ever want to destroy a marriage when they've been married 50 years, 60 years? Does he ever want to destroy that? You bet he wants to destroy it. He doesn't want that marriage to be pure and holy and honorable. So how he distracts us is what we have, what we call a while ago, our cell phone. Most of you probably have a television. I've gone on Bible studies, and that television would be blaring and I couldn't even read the Bible, so guess what I did? Walked up there and turned that sucker off. They did. That was back in the day before you had one of those diggers. Now I look for the diggers and I turn that thing off. You know, nobody has ever told me except for one person. This will date how long ago this happened. You remember Iron Sides? So every Thursday night, they watched Ironsides. I was showing up for a Bible study, and they're glued to Ironside. And I saw they didn't care that I was even there. They didn't even know that I was there. Because what were they focused on, and what was their distraction? So I turned it off. Guess what they did? They went, no, they didn't get mad. They just turned it back on. So you know what I did, Mountain Man? picked up my Bible, and walked out the door. Why did I do that? So I came back next week. They didn't come to the door. And I saw them look through the blinds and saw it. It's that clown. Don't go to the door. Who lost out? 
So I'd go to another door. But how many times we get distracted because they wasn't home, they didn't want to read the Bible, so I'm going to quit. Who, who is behind that? Because there's always somebody waiting. Four SWs. Someone, some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. But I allow the distraction to get me that I don't want to help that kid. When that other kid spit on me and kicked me and threw stuff at me, but there's someone waiting. So we get distracted by Satan, and he's going to come at all different levels. Number two, deceive. Deceive. Acts chapter 5, the apostles came to Ananias and Sapphira, and said, Hey, <clears throat> what'd you do with the money that you sold that land for? And you know what they did? They took some of the money and laid it at the apostles' feet, and then they kept the rest of it. You know what they did? They were deceived by Satan to say they gave the land to the apostles, gave the money to the apostles, but they were deceived in what? Keeping it. And so they kept it, and what happened? It wasn't but a few hours later, and old Ananias was because the guys came in that door right there, or whatever door in that house, came in there and took him out, and he is dead. They buried him. Three hours later, they come to Sapphira, and they ask her the same question. And the guys are standing at the door waiting to talk, haul her out and bury her beside her husband because of deception. The guys in jail and the guys in prison say, I don't, I don't know why I'm here. You ever hear anybody tell you that, Big Bad? Because they were not honest with their, how come you missed that block, mountain man? How come you didn't, how come you didn't score that layup, Roger? And that happens, doesn't it? But I'm not going to let that guy get me next time. Because I'm going to be stronger. How we're deceived. <clears throat> Today, somebody will say, if you'll take this pill, if you'll take this stuff, if you'll inject this stuff, it'll make you what? And you'll, you'll eliminate your what? And then when we come back to normalcy, how are we feeling? Do we feel good about ourselves? No. Then we beat ourselves up, don't we? Then we've got all that guilt, more guilt. And there's the deception that God gets us with. We're distracted and we're deceived. And number three, then we're hit with depression. What's another word for depression? Loneliness. What does loneliness mean? I'm not worth it. I'm not any good. I'm not any count. They don't even know that I'm not even there today. I'm not going to read the Word. God doesn't know whether I read the Word or not. I'm not going to give because He doesn't care about my giving. But how many times that loneliness hits us, and then it leads to the fourth one that's not on there, and it leads to despair. There's the tough part. Notice a verse in Philippians 3, verse 20. There's far more to life for who? For us. We're citizens of high heaven. Amen? Man, I'm a citizen of high heaven, and I remember when I was in Czechoslovakia, man, I didn't belong there.
because I'm an American citizen. I'm a, but better than an American citizen, I'm a citizen of God's high heaven. Amen? Amen. The next line, God works it out, Romans 8, 28. You hear that part? God what? God works it out. Amen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who have, who love who? Love him. <coughs> who have been called according to his purpose. Now the message says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Amen. He decided from the very outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Ephesians chapter 1 says, I've been, I'm in Christ since I'm in Christ. How God blesses Jesus, that's how he blesses us. Because I'm in who? Because I'm in Christ. But if I'm outside of Christ, what hope do I have? Zero. I remember a nurse friend would say, hey, Ron, can you come to the hospital? I said, you bet. I'd go to the hospital, and she'd have 47 people for me to visit. You know why? Because nobody, nobody was visiting those people. That's when you go to the hospital. You didn't have to wear whatever we had to wear today. You didn't have to wipe your hands down. You didn't have to put perfume on. You didn't have to do all that stuff. You just show up and serve. And that was fun. Now we're handicapped, aren't we? But we got to figure out another way to serve people and help people. Amen? Amen. All right. The last three points on our outline. Number one, stop. Stop rationalizing. What does that mean? How many times we said, oh, that's just me. There's a Greek word for that. You ready? Dr. J, you ready? Greek word. How many times we rationalize, hey, that's just me, and I'm blaming somebody else, but we need to stop rationalizing. I've always been that way. Where's that come from? Number two, pray. Pray continually. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, pray without what? Ceasing. You know what that means? Here's the praying. Here's the attitude. <laughs> If I'm standing up here preaching, sharing a message, and I start coughing, what's somebody going to automatically do? Go get some water. Okay, this is what that verse means. <coughs> That's how I need to get to pray. I'm praying just like, <coughs> I need to have prayer on my lips, don't I? Then I'm going to think souls. I'm going to think souls differently if I'm praying continually instead of saying, hey, that's just the way I am. Instead of rationalizing, I'm going to be praying about that because I want to change and I want to have the attitude of who? Amen. Number three, flee, F-L-E-E. -E. A good run is better than a bad fall. I love the story of Joseph. You know why I love the story of Joseph? This guy had it all. And here's this old woman trying to seduce him, trying to rape him. And what does he do? He does not hang around. He doesn't pass gold and collect $200. He gets out of Dodge and he runs because he wants to save his soul. And his focus is on who? 
Almighty God. There's the joy that you and I have of serving the Lord that we get to run away from because Satan's going to continue attacking. He'll never quit attacking us. What a joy it is to be in Christ. Amen? What a blessing it is to be in Christ. And how much powerful love that we have from the cross of Jesus. As Roger mentioned about the cross and Apple sang the song, led us a song. Hark the angel. I'm missing it, messing it up. What does it say, Apple? Hark the what? Hark the herald angel what? Man, what does that mean? Hark the angel, herald, angel, sing. You know what herald means? Joy to the world. Christmas is over and we'll quit singing. Joy to the world. Why do we quit? Because Satan says, hey, you don't need to sing that song anymore. Wait till next year. And then we go to a funeral on January the 13th or the 14th or the 2nd. And they didn't know Jesus. And I had a chance to talk to them. I had a chance to read the Bible to them. And I didn't do it. And then I go to their funeral. There's a song in, a, in the songbook. And the title of it is, He Never mentioned him to me. Man, that's tough. That's tough. I don't want to sing that song. <clears throat> I don't want to know that song if I go to one of my buddies' funeral and I never mentioned Jesus to him. Today, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you, don't allow Satan to keep you off of serving and looking up and your priorities don't let the distractions eat you and control you, but let the life of Christ control you. Let's stand and sing.